when WWE inevitably buys AEW in a couple of years down the line, will it be, or do you think it's fair to say that Chris Jericho's feud with Orange Cassidy was what really began the fall and the demise of all late wrestling? I think that will undoubtedly be the case. You know, you're going to see this documentary on Peacock because by then in Australia, you'll have Peacock too. And we're going to have Ricochet talking and Ricochet is going to be like, oh my God, I remember when AEW started. It was this big deal. And then six months in, they had their best wrestler feud with Orange Cassidy and things went downhill. You know, we're going to get like R-Truth, Ali. We're going to get all these WWE guys commenting about the rise and fall of AEW, and they just WWE is going to pinpoint it to Jericho and Orange Cassidy. So there'll be a shoot interview of like Tony Khan, like you know, uncensored, talking about how terrible Mike Tyson was to work with. Now Tyson didn't want to wrestle Jericho, so he had to throw him Orange Cassidy instead. Now it caused the downfall of their promotion. Like, right. <laughs> just- isn't it amazing that the that that um the headlock? Oh, not the headlock. That confrontation with Mike Tyson and Jericho led to nothing. Just still amazing. Still boggles my mind. <laughs> I remember when that happened. I was just like, my God, this is like pretty, this is kind of cool. They're, they're doing a 1998 Raw is War all over again, 2020. Like, wow. And then it. <laughs> what was the segment like next week? What, what was the segment next week? It was Jericho throwing orange pulp at Orange Cassidy. He had like a it bag Jericho, of oranges. Jericho in, the ring, Jericho in the ring at the inner circle, cutting a promo. And then Orange Cassidy comes in the crowd, put, puts his thumb up, then puts his thumb down, and orange pulp just falls from the ceiling on Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh my god. Anyway, um this is uh episode I believe 19 of Elite Heat. This is Chris Jericho, the king of reinvention. So, with that intro aside, we spent the literally the best part of 2 hours last episode praising the 20 well, 28 the first 28 years of Chris Jericho's career, Kevin. It was a bit of fun, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now we get to talk about you know, the modern day Jericho, the demo god, or, or Le Champion, or ha- however you choose to to remember him in this modern coronation. But yeah, this is what we're going to talk about. It's going to be all about what he's done the last three or so years. Yeah, because legitimately, the last, literally since 2018 on Chris Jericho, the amount of stuff there is to cover with this guy, like, not, not that there wasn't stuff to cover, because we covered a 27-year legendary career in like nearly two hours last episode. But with this one, we're probably going to go near enough the same amount of time discussing his more recent stuff because quite literally, Kevin, when it comes to Chris Jericho in the past three, four years alone, I mean, where do you begin? You've got political controversies. There's the stuff with masks. There's him being cancelled many times, being the leader of the new wrestling company that's going to take down the evil E. You've got him in Japan. You've got him with his new stable, him versus Mike Tyson and all this kind of stuff. Kevin, where do we begin? Well, I guess the I guess the proper point to begin would be November fifth, twenty seventeen, when Jericho showed up on a vignette in um in Japan and challenged Kenny Omega to a match at Wrestle Kingdom. Like that's really when you think about it, that kind of started this madness. Like there was already a bit of a buzz on the indie scene, you know, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks. They were already building some 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 steam, and then it was like Jericho just ignited. You know, he just ignited the fire, and it caused an explosion. Right in the indie scene when when he showed up in New Japan, like I, I think that's the right place to start. Hell yeah! I mean, like when this happened, it caused an explosion. Okay, it caused a Dave Meltzer explosion, pal. This thing legit. I mean, Jericho and Omega, Tokyo Dome, twenty eighteen, big match. I mean, literally, they're doing this whole thing with Jericho and Kenny Omega. You've got Omega, who by this point 
is New Japan's biggest star, if not like top two, depending on how you see Okada and Omega like comparatively. And you've got Chris Jericho, a guy who everyone in the world over knows because he, by this point, been around for 27 years and 20 of those have been in a mainstream, you know, national TV, you know, sense. So Chris Jericho, Omega, they do the match at Wrestle Kingdom 12, Kevin. Have you seen this match? If so, thoughts? I've seen it a couple times, actually. And I, I think mm. I think it's probably Jericho's best match. Like, it, it, it might... I mean, you could argue, obviously, his matches with Shawn Michaels, his matches with Benoit. But for me, this is my favorite Jericho match. I just think everything kind of coordinated. Like, this was Jericho out to prove that he could have a quote-unquote five-star match. You know, and, and this was like, I believe this was the first one that Meltzer gave five stars. I mean, that doesn't really hold a lot with me, sure. but I know it does with sure. a lot of people. Um, and I, I mean, it was it was a big, it had the big fight field. You know, it felt like Alpha versus Omega. It really felt like a big deal. That's really what I remember most about it. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, as I say, if you've got Chris Jericho against Kenny Omega in the Tokyo Dome, it's like the crossover appeal there was really good. Because you got Jericho, who's a world over star from like you know America, essentially. Like yeah, he had his indie career, which he covered in you know the past episode. But like you got this guy with such notoriety. Russell's Omega, the match itself in the ring, bell to bell. You talked about it there. Jericho's best work. I mean, really outside of the Sean stuff, I feel like because I mean, when you take Prime Jericho and have him versus Shawn Michaels, I mean, I think the match was better. You know, barely. But like I mean, did this for twenty eighteen Chris Jericho match. At this point, Chris Jericho is 47, basically. And you've got him wrestling such a great match against Omega, which it goes to show you the talents of Kenny Omega. I mean, I think that's fair. Absolutely. Yeah, that's 100% fair to say. This match did big business for New Japan. This match kind of spearheaded New Japan's expansion into the United States. And then Kenny Omega and Jericho are like, yeah, we're going to AEW, pal. Tony Khan has given us, you know, fat checks. So there goes that. But that's another topic for another day. But it definitely spearheaded... Uh, New Japan's, you know, expansion to the United States, expansion to just outside of Japan. And Jericho, I mean, it's been a big part of it. And he would kind of foreshadow what he would do with AEW. But like this this New Japan stuff, I just remember how shocking it was because Jericho had said in his podcast that he would never wrestle for another promoter other than Vince McMahon again. And then he came back and he was like, oh, I'll never wrestle for another promoter on American soil or something, you know. And then I was like, yeah. all right, you get it. You're full of crap. Like, we know you're going to be at all in. You know, we know you're going to be at all in. We know we know you're going to be doing other New Japan shows. The crazy thing to me, though, was like, he wrestles this match against Naito, I believe it was, in June of 2018. And then he was on he was on the Greatest Royal Rumble, like, what, a month prior? Yeah, it it, it was a weird one. That, that It was like a, a really blurry gray area because the Jericho Omega thing was like a... A, a, a one of its kind pioneering like oh my god Jericho's going to Japan when he's like under WWE contract and like the whole thing arranged between Jericho and Vince was this is a one and done you know this, this is all Jericho's doing there but then literally the night after Wrestle Kingdom at New Year Dash you've literally got Jericho attacking Naito and then like Vince calls him up and's like oh damn it, pal what was this that was a one and done pal what the hell are you doing and then Jericho's like people are talking about it I'm a WWE wrestler, makes money, Vince, and Vince is like, well, that's what I like to hear about. Keep making that money for me. Like, that's essentially the kind of crux of the conversation. Jericho, the, the stuff with, like, Naito, 
I mean, once again, Jericho doing really good work in Japan as well. But as you mentioned there, Kevin, it's that whole thing of, well, he's in WWE. He's doing stuff in Japan as well. No one's ever really done this. Like it was Jericho trailblazing, doing something that we hadn't seen before, changing the game. Because, I mean, once again, at this point, Kevin, we've seen near enough everything in wrestling. This is 2018 by this point. Literally every segment, storyline, angle, you know, everything we've seen. But this, we haven't. We hadn't seen a guy with the namesake of Chris Jericho having such a big crossover into New Japan. You know, like, crazy. It, it really, it made New Japan kind of mainstream in a, in a lot of respects. Like, it was just like, especially in, in the States, there was just a lot more people that were wrestling fans, WWE fans, that were paying attention to what was going on in Japan. They were like, oh, I got to watch that Jericho Omega match. And then, you know, some people got hooked. Some people left it for what it was after Jericho left, but... We saw different instances of this. Like, we saw Matt Hardy, when he was still contracted with WWE, he showed up at a Ring of Honor show, right? He and Jeff Hardy, they showed up at a Ring of Honor show or or, an, or some indie show because they had prior commitments in 2017 yeah. when they returned. And that was like, ah, okay, it's just a random indie show, whatever, what have you. There was a time that Vince traded Christian for Ric Flair so Ric Flair could do the, the Hall of Fame when he was in TNA and Christian showed up at a TNA show. But it's Christian and it's TNA... It was just, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. And then this one yeah. was really just, it was crazy. It was just, I don't even know how you could word it, right? Like, it was just so shocking, I think is probably the best word, but well, it feels like an understatement. Well, yeah, also the other one that people might mention is, oh, well, Hulk Hogan wrestled in Japan as well. It's like, they didn't promote that on WWF TV. They were like, you didn't have Vince McMahon being like, oh, well, go, go check out uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Go, go watch our biggest star, Hulk Hogan, have a... Have a great match with uh with yeah Kaiji Muto like they, they they weren't doing that you know so it's like yeah Hogan wrestled in Japan but once again you mentioned Christian there like like these crossovers none of them were done the way Chris Jericho's one was Chris Jericho's New Japan crossover in 2018 and then literally leading in 2019 and whatnot we hadn't seen anything like it so in that regard Jericho the Trailblazer Jericho the Pioneer the stuff with Omega the stuff with Naito just all of it. You know, like Absolutely. Jericho was Jericho was entrenched in like you know the fabric of New Japan Pro Wrestling in 2018. Even though, as you say, he was involved and was set to wrestle at the Greatest Royal Rumble against the Undertaker, but that just got scrapped. It's just wild. Yeah, yeah he wild. ended up he ended up showing up as like the the final entrant in the 50 Man Royal Rumble, and that was still a surprise because it was like, well, everybody knew at that point that he was going to wrestle Naito. You know, they had announced it already. I think. If I'm not mistaken, he had just attacked Naito right after the 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 Royal Rumble, the Greatest yeah, Royal Rumble, right around the same time, yeah, like yeah. like a week later or something. And he attacks Naito at the show, and it's like, oh, they're gonna wrestle at Dominion, New Japan's second yep. biggest pay per view. It's crazy. And then I I think Jericho kind of realized too, like, oh wow, I'm I'm a, I'm kind of a draw. Like he realized like all these years of Vince telling him, oh, you're not you're not you're not as big as Austin and Rock. It's like, well, maybe I am. Maybe I am bigger. Look what I did for Japan. Look what I did for this. Look what I did for that. So Jericho was like, I don't really want to go back to WWE. What am I going to go back to WWE for? To be wrestling Kevin Owens in, in the opening match of WrestleMania again? Like, I, I could do more. Hell yeah. Like, I mean, that's some things Jericho talked about as well. It's like, he, he didn't want to just be a parody of his former self. Because, like, that's one of the things, I mean, Jericho's no idiot. He sees how guys like, I mean, you take your pick in you know, the last 10 years of WWE, Kevin. Kurt Angle, let's use him for an example. All-time great, one of like the best. I don't know where you want to rank him all time. That's not a whole other video in itself. But like one of the greatest of all time, Kurt Angle. He gets brought back, and all he does is say, 
It's true. Let's have a good match. Shane McMahon, you know, legendary daredevil, high-flying guy. He comes out. Let's have a great match. You have the Dudley boys come back. Legendary, famed tag team career. I'm the, probably the greatest tag team of all time, if not top like three. And then all they come back and say, get the tables. You know, like Jericho didn't want to just be coming out there in 2022 being like, the list of Jericho, stupid idiot. It, watch me click my pen. You know, like Jericho wanted to do something big. And you said it perfectly there. He wanted to test how much of a draw he was. Vince told him, oh, well, I mean, you're, you're a star, obviously, Jericho. I trust you, Jericho, but you're not Cena. You're not Austin. And Jericho's like, I- I'm aware I'm not, but I want to at least see how you know, good I can draw, see what I can do. And 2018 Japan, and, I mean, that, that was a big part of that. And that leads us into AEW, which we'll talk about in a moment. But yeah, just Chris Jericho you know, took a gamble on himself as he did throughout his whole career and yet again paid off, Kevin. Absolutely. Um, I think that really the next big thing that we need to talk about is all in. Did you watch All In? Were you like keeping up with it? Were you checking results? Like, where were you around the time that All In was announced and the time that it was airing? Like, where where were you in that whole time frame? Now, I'd be I'd be completely lying through my teeth if I said I was watching wrestling at the time. I was following the indie scene. I was aware of All In. By this point, 2018, I just didn't watch wrestling because I, I got ever since about WrestleMania 33, I just I was like, I can't do this. Like, this is just this is not it. So I, I just tuned out. And then when I got back into wrestling in mid-2019, I called myself back up with basically everything. All In was a big thing. Because All In, in case you aren't aware, essentially, basically, I mean, you, you can tell the story in a bit, probably better detail than I can. But basically, WWE had the, you know, ha- have had the monopoly conglomerate on pro wrestling for, God knows, like over two decades at this point. And then the Young Bucks... Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, you know, the indie wrestling scene, they all, you know, came together basically to put on an indie wrestling supercard, which sold out, what, 15,000 people in an arena? And then this show was just, it, it really did lay the groundwork beautifully for all late wrestling in many senses. Like, I, I've danced the question you asked, asked before there, Kevin. I've gone back, I've, I've watched most of All In. I, I mean, pretty good stuff across the board. Like, some of the stuff was, not like not the greatest like why was Stephen Amell there but nonetheless like generally it was good but yeah very significant show it's fair to say yeah absolutely I mean you have you know Cody I think it was Cody the Young Bucks responded to a tweet from Dave Meltzer saying that oh Ring of Honor they couldn't sell a 10,000 seat arena and they were just like all right bet hold my beer and they went out and did it and they they got this massive show put together with like Okada was on it Kenny Omega the, the New Japan IWGP champion um you know, Naito, I think, was on it. They had just a bunch of the best talent from New Japan, the best talent from the Indies. And then Jericho was getting bombarded in interviews uh, by websites and podcasts. And, and they were like, oh, Jericho, you're going to be at this show. You were, you, you know, you just were wrestling Naito, this, that. You've been enshrined in New Japan. You're not contracted by WWE. And he was like, nope, I'm not wrestling in American soil for anybody but Vince. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be at All In. I'm not going to be at All In. And then sure enough, Chris Jericho shows up at All In. He shows up disguised as Penta, and he attacks Kenny Omega. And this was at the time when All In was being promoted. All the guys at AEW, or all the guys that would be AEW, they knew AEW was coming. So it was like, we're going to build to Jericho and Omega as our first big pay-per-view, which ended up being double or nothing. And this was the beginning of that build. And I think a lot of people were still like, there was still, um, what's the word? There was still skepticism, right? I I would say probably be the best way to say it. 
that these guys would start their own promotion. There were rumors that Jim Ross, Jericho, Tony Khan, the Young Bucks, they were all in on a new promotion. But then when Jericho showed up at All In, I think that kind of validated it, if you will. Like that kind of showed like, oh, this is for real. Like this is Jericho's not just going to show up at WWE. He's not going to be doing, you know, it anymore. And just like you said, doing the list, like just out there playing his hits. And then it was just like, it was a moment in time in wrestling where things kind of stood still. I would say the wrestling world was just ablaze. And I, I get why people are so passionate for AEW because they felt like they were the fan, like fans felt like they're being listened to. Right. Like that's probably the best way to say it. Like all in was like catered directly to the fans. Yeah. And like, I mean, to build on that, you have these people who, I mean, this is literally from like 2018 on, like this is a 2018 thing. People feel like they've seen from the ground up this promotion, you know? So in that sense, people, you know, feel deeply attached to it. They live by like, oh my God, I, I saw the very foundations of this company. I'm watching them grow and prosper. Like, you yeah. know, it, it's just great stuff, like all around. Yeah, like, it is. It really is. And, you know, Jericho, then he goes on to do the Rock and Rager Wrestling SC with Ring of Honor in October, right after All In. And then it was like, like, wow, there's big things happening. That was probably the most momentum Ring of Honor has ever had. I remember Ring of Honor got so big that I went to a Ring of Honor show down like locally just because it was there was so much hype. You know, it was like, oh, I want to see this, you know, and I want to see what, what all the hype is about, what all the buzz is about. I saw it for myself and I was pretty impressed with what I saw, you know, and then, I mean, you know, it, it kind of wore out quickly. I think that the honeymoon feeling, but at first it was really cool. And then Ring of Honor, they just, they didn't want to shell out the money for the young bucks they didn't want to shell out the money to pay cody they didn't want to shell out the money to pay kenny so they're like all right bet that's it it. who who did want to shell out the money pal who wanted to dish out the money and start the promotion we'll we'll just through that Kevin. yeah exactly so yeah so they were like all right bet we're gonna go to wwe pal and then somebody you may have heard of who we're actually gonna do a bio on coming up here on elite heat very soon um tony khan the the son of the of shad khan the owner of the jacksonville jaguars and the fulham football club he comes in and he's like, I want a, I want a wrestling promotion. I want you, Chris Jericho. I want you, Young Bucks. And what do you know? We get this press conference in Jacksonville, Florida in January. What, was that like New Year's Day or something? A couple of days like right into the new year? They had this BTE it was announcement. January 8th. January 8th, they did the announcement. Right, January 8th. Um, so, okay, so, so, so January 1st, we have the Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Cody. They announced AEW. They show the logo, whatever. Their contracts had expired for Ring of Honor. They're all free agents. And then it was like, okay, what's next? And then Jericho shows up January 8th. And I think that's right. I think that's a pretty good place for us to pick up from here, right? This is Jericho's debuts in AEW. He's at this press conference. Well, what, it, what, what was his words where he was like, I, I, he said something like, I, I got the money already. I don't need the money. I want to be a part of history. I want to be a part of a revolution. And I, I would say the rest is history, right? Like that started all right there, that Jericho press conference. Hell yeah. I mean, Wow, like, like it's like what, what a moment because one of the things with Jericho, I mean, we've been into his talk about his legacy for over two hours now, but really, you take this guy, he brings such a sense of like notoriety to all like AW, like like Jericho. One of the things I've said, I mean, we'll go on to talk about his like world title run and whatnot. But when you look at like the champions of AW and like their roles and just generally their roles in the promotion, Chris Jericho in twenty nineteen AW. He was essentially not, not the godfather of AW, but he was like the pioneer 
of getting AW onto TNT, getting AW that first big TV deal, getting AW from just, oh, well, this is Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Cody, and you know, a, you know, a rich family and just a wrestling promotion to, oh, they've got Jericho. Oh, okay, oh, I'll tune into that now. Jericho someone I've known for 25 years. Like, you know, like Jericho was a massive kind of linking point between the casual, disenfranchised WWE fan and the, like the real diehard, I watch every wrestling show on the planet wrestling fan, you know? So Jericho, he was so big in that regard. He was big in leading them onto TNT. Chris Jericho, I mean, his announcement at this press conference you talk about here, it was shocking. Like, like people, as you, as we've talked about, you know, for the last couple of minutes now, people had a feeling, I mean, his role in All In, his role with Japan, Jericho clearly wasn't like infatuated with WWE come like 2018, 2019, but to see him showing up at this AW like press conference, it was massive. Absolutely. It was, again, it was another thing where Jericho had just had a match at Wrestle Kingdom against Naito. And then it was like, okay, well, he's going to stay in New Japan or he's going back to WWE. He was like, nope, I'm not going to be there. I have nothing to do with this AEW company. Nothing, nope, nope, nothing, nothing to do. And his appearance was shocking. Just for the simple fact that, like, there was speculation, but you didn't know for sure. And then when he debuts in this press conference, he gets in Kenny Omega's face. And it's like, wow, not only is Jericho here, but he's headlining Double or Nothing, the very first pay-per-view. And it's going to be against Kenny Omega. We're going to get, like, the rematch of all rematches in wrestling right now. Like, this was, like... This is probably the biggest dream match in the year of 2019 was Jericho and Omega on American soil. I think that's pretty fair to say. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, not that WWE was doing much in 2019, Kevin. My God, like. Yeah, not a lot of competition. You know, we were what? We were watching Dean Ambrose receive injections in January of 2019. You know? Yeah, that was when they were were burying Ambrose on his way out, having him face off Nia Jax on Raw and... (laughs) Yeah, he's jobbing to Matt Hardy, jobbing to Randy Orton. (laughs) Yeah, Charlotte Flair being added to the the WrestleMania match that people actually wanted to see. And you've got Kofi Mania was good for six weeks. And then after that, it was just literally Kofi versus Ziggler for like two pay-per-views. Like, just, yeah. I mean, WWE was hardly saying the world ablaze at the time. I mean, infamously, Sami Zayn mentioned AEW on Raw. And that was like a big, like, oh, my God, inside job type moment. I remember that. Oh God! We'll talk about we'll talk about that much more in the Tony Khan bio in a couple of weeks. But nonetheless, Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega. I mean, the rematch itself, a double or nothing. It was huge. It was like, oh my God! Like this is the first AW pay per view. There was so much intrigue to that show. I remember, yeah, Cody versus Dustin, and they had the, the I believe it was the tag match. Was it was Young Bucks and Lucha Bros that show? It was, yeah. Yeah, so you've got just this like well-rounded show main evented by Jericho and Omega, who, as we talked about a moment ago, Omega, like the biggest world-renowned star who's like never really had a you know, meaningful WWE career. And then Jericho, who's Jericho, as we've talked about. So they did this big match, really damn good stuff, like 20-odd minutes. The crowd's hanging on every move. The crowd's going crazy. And then a certain Dean Ambrose happens to make an appearance. And it's just this incredible moment. Jericho's He's standing there face to face with John Moxley, and it's like this company has something going. Yeah, like, let, this let, is let, let me say this real quick before we yeah, talk yeah. about Moxley. Um, so you have this moment where it's like they're building to this pay per view, but they have no TV deal yet. They had they hadn't even announced a TV deal. There were rumors that they that they had a TV deal, but they were building to Double or Nothing on on YouTube pretty much. 
it was all like YouTube, mini YouTube documentaries on AEW's channel, Twitter, Instagram stuff, Jericho's podcast. They, you know, they weren't really doing much, and that's pretty magical. You know, they they sold out what they sold out the tickets for the arena at Vegas in what like five minutes. They sold out like a twelve thousand seat arena. It's just it's pretty crazy the way AEW did that, and and I would say a lot of that is based on Jericho. What, what, what did you oh, say? God, yeah. God, yeah. And also, like, I mean, you mentioned that model there, like, no TV, but they used social media and, like, literally every platform outside of TV to, like, build that up and hype it up, which I think that's also significant in itself because, I mean, you look at the direction, I mean, just what the world's going as far as TV is getting phased out. People aren't really watching TV anymore. So it's becoming more of a social media, like, you know, predominant emphasis. It's like Jericho being the face of Double or Nothing and this Jericho Omega match being the thing that really sells those tickets and really makes people care and makes, you know, 15,000 tickets sell out in five minutes. It, it's a yet another feather in the cap of Jericho. Like literally, they don't have a TV show to promote it. But because of Jericho's star power in the main event versus Omega, they sell out all those tickets through literally social media and the fact that we're doing Jericho Omega. Enough said. And people just buy those tickets. Like, that's nuts. It is. Exactly. And then, and also on top of that, too, Jericho was, was set to challenge Okada like two weeks after Double or Nothing in New Japan. So it was like, it was a combination of things. And it, it showed that wrestling outside of WWE has drawing, drawing power and there's a thirst and there's an audience for this stuff. It was like everything just, it was like a perfect storm, I guess you could say, for AEW. The, the Okada stuff with Jericho happened at the right time. He started becoming the pain maker. Um, right around this oh, time God. when they're promoting the pain maker. Let's, do you want to quickly discuss that character for a moment? The pain maker. Now, infamously, there's a few <laughs> pictures of Jericho where he's got his. Well, first of all, before I discuss that, generally speaking, we talk about Jericho, the king of reinvention. This is another one of these things because Jericho, 2016, 2017, we went over this in detail. He was doing the list. He was doing it, Kevin. We discussed that already. But then, then Chris Jericho, he decides he wants to do something darker. You know, he's going to Japan. He wants to change it up a bit because that's what Chris Jericho does. He wants to do something similar to 2008 Jericho, but just in a different form. So he creates the Pain Maker. Just, just describe the Pain Maker for me, Kevin. Walk me through the Pain Maker. <laughs> I mean, he was like, uh, what's the word? It was like he was, it was like he was a heavy metal lead singer, like a heavy metal band lead singer from the 90s. Like it was, it was like he was like straight from Kiss. That's really the best way I could describe it. He had the black face paint. He came out with like a fedora. He just, it was ridiculous and over the top. I guess in a great way, you know, that's really the only way I could describe it. And then he was just like, you know, Okada, I'm the pain maker. And then Okada would come back at him in, in Japanese insults. And it was just, I don't even know. It was just a weird time to be a wrestling fan. <laughs> you're, you're the pain maker. I'm the rain maker, pal. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Um, and people were loving it. You- Everybody's like, oh, it's the Jericho's the pain maker. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then once again, I mean, you compare that to WWE's. WWE's having Seth Rollins coming out there saying, I'm the man's man. I'm literally getting beaten up by Lacey Evans. So not much competition, but nonetheless, we, we, we move on. So... <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about the double or nothing match for a second because I, yeah, I got to cut you off. Sure. Um, Get your thoughts in there, yeah. yeah. It, I, I thought the match wasn't as good as their New Japan matches or the New Japan match. Yeah. I think you and I can both agree with that. Definitely. definitely. Um, but Jericho yeah. winning was shocking. I, I think everybody thought going in that Omega was going to win. Right? I think like, like I would say, like, what, what, what did you think? Well, I mean, this is Kenny Omega. You want to establish him on American soil. This is like the biggest... 
it was quite literally it was it was the biggest non WWE pay per view. I mean, some I'm sure someone out there is going to try and argue TNA Bound for Glory one of these years was, but really since WCW, honestly. So it was like the biggest non WWE pay per view in North American soil in like 20 years. You'd think you're you're establishing Kenny Omega as the guy. You're having Kenny Omega beat Jericho. So they do the match, which wasn't as good as the Tokyo Dome one, but in fairness, that match was amazing. So compared comparing that to that. It's tough, the double nothing match to beat the Tokyo Dome match, but they did a good job. It was a good match. Once again, worked well in the ring. Jericho and Omega have like good in-ring chemistry. Like it's not, it's not like you know, Omega and Okada, as people love to say, but they still work together pretty well. So they do the match. Jericho loses, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, sorry, sorry. Jericho wins. It's like, oh, okay. Omega loses. It's like, oh. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I, I wonder if in hindsight, if AEW could have that one back, if they would have had Omega win. I don't think they would have, considering Jericho was like the guy who was their champion for you know most of the next year. Well, you, well, you think they would have? You think maybe in hindsight they would have had Omega be the first champion, kind of like go with the younger. I don't talent? think that, that. I don't think that would have been a good idea, honestly. If you have Omega carrying the belt onto TNT, like casual fans, like who, who the hell is this? Why should I care? And they they draw even less viewers out of the blocks. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, they, well, well. Mm-hmm. I guess we're, we're going to discuss this in a minute. I, I think they, they went Jericho and Hangman for the world championship at All Out. I think they would have been better yeah. off saving Jericho and Omega for All Out. But what would they have done at Double or Nothing then? Well, they, you know, you do what? You could do Jericho and Cody. You, have, you have Cody and Dustin main event, I guess. No, you, well, you have Jericho and whoever. You know, you have Jericho and, and Cody main event for the for the number one contender spot or something. Yeah. You know? It, yeah. I don't know. It's definitely a debate. Is that, or you can just do Jericho is and Hangman. Is know? it a debate? Is it, Kevin? I don't know. I mean, did, I mean, did, did, they, did they need to, to burn Jericho and Omega at the first pay-per-view? Did, did they need to burn Yeah, it? true. I mean, you know, did, did they really just, like, people... If they had, yeah, if they did Cody and Dustin, that's, like, the match everyone remembers. And then you can just have Jericho versus whoever, and then Moxley debuts. Like, that's all that there is to talk about. So yeah. I get the way coming from there for sure. Yeah, it's like ten thousand people are going to buy tickets anyway. It was going to do a hundred thousand buys on pay per view, regardless. Did, you know? Uh, did they? Did they need to burn it? Because I, you know, it was like a number one contenders match, and then they had the whole debacle where Pac got stuck in England and he couldn't he couldn't make his match with Hangman, and they had to do like a battle royal for Hangman to get his number one contender spot. It was just like it just it turned out yeah. maybe not the best they would have maybe not the best the way they would have wanted it. Yeah, a bit messy, but at the end of the day, I mean, we, we get swept up into Jericho versus Hangman Page at All Out, where the winner becomes the inaugural AW World Champion, Kevin. Now, Hangman Page, I, I mean, definitely wasn't ready at this time, like outside of people who like hardcore follow the elite, like a lot of people have never heard of Hangman Page. So Jericho versus Hangman Page, I mean, they built the match all right. I mean, I'm, once again, they don't have a TV deal by this point. So it's all social media. It's all, you know, building it that way. I distinctly remember Jim Ross during um, Jericho's entrance being like, oh, Jericho told me earlier in the day, this is the, you know, this, this is the biggest match of his career because he has to prove to everyone, you know, once and for all, you know, if he can still hang, if he can still go. And then I'm just like, yeah, okay. They're building it up. They're giving it something, you know, some recognizable characteristics. So in that regard, I think Jericho and Hangman Page, I'll get your thoughts on the match, Kevin. Just the thoughts on the build. What do you think? Like, um, I thought it was, I thought it was a little bit underwhelming all around in general. Like, like there was yeah. nothing really to the build up. 
It was just Hangman Page in his house screaming at Jericho on, on a YouTube show. And Jericho just being like, oh, Hangman, nobody's ever heard of you. I'm going to make you famous, kid. Like, they're, they're just, that was essentially the build. There really wasn't much there. And then it was just like, I, I remember I had high hopes for Hangman. I thought he would, he would be a big star. But I just thought it was too much too soon because he really didn't do much. He was just kind of the guy that hung out with the Young Bucks, Cody and Kenny for like the last Back. three years. Yeah. You know, he would hang yeah. out, drink a beer. He'd have some funny segments on BTE, but he wasn't really the guy to be the main star. You know, he wasn't really ready for that. And I think it was AEW. They were trying to build a new star with Hangman. But then the match gets to the ring at All Out and just nobody really cared. You know, like I'm not trying to be like dismissive of the match but nobody really cared for the match everybody was just there to see jericho win i think i mean basically like you know like could they have done that match as the main event of double or nothing instead of all out and done jericho omega at all out for the title as you kind of were alluding to before i mean quite that, possibly like this that would have been you know, better all, i think probably yeah like this all out match was just i mean it was, I mean, from memory, everyone rated it like four stars. It was just, it was like a 20 minute match. The ring work was slow. It was like Jericho at this stage, who's the pain maker, aka Fat Jericho, doing like, doing his Judas effect, swinging back elbow where he hits the guy in the, like, in the, in the throat. And then Hangman Page was like, you know, punching Jericho. It was, it was an okay match. Like, it's not a match I'd at all want to go back and see. It's like, okay, it's a 20 minute all right match you know and jericho won it's like yeah it was, it was like what the theme with all out was they were trying to make new stars you know they were trying to create the dark order they were trying to create sean spears by having a feud with cody they were trying to get Pac over by having him beat kenny omega it was a lot of AEW just trying to like establish new stars by having these guys beat the beat the people that everybody wanted to see like and people bought double or nothing because they wanted to see kenny omega beat jericho so you have Jericho beat Omega. People wanted to see, you know, they wanted to see the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros beat the Young Bucks. So it's like, okay, well, what are we doing here? You know, the the Elite was the big draw. And then Jericho kind of like, Jericho, he was helpful in a lot of ways, but he could have been harmful in some ways too. Uh, what, what, what do you think about that? Like, what do you think about that perspective? So oh, it's such a, it's such a tricky question. Like, Jericho, I, I stand by that he, you know, him winning the matches in 2019 on pay-per-view was like, it was the right call. Like he beats Omega, he beats Hangman, he beats Cody. Could he have potentially put over Omega? Yeah, for sure. Could he potentially put over Hangman? I mean, maybe. Would that have been best for business? Not at all. Like it just... Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's a contentious one, obviously. I just think the way AEW did the first year, particularly like from Double or Nothing on, like Double or Nothing 2019 to Double or Nothing 2020, I thought they worked it about as well as they could have. That's like how I see it. Like I made the video, I miss old AEW, where I essentially just praised like this version, this period for AEW, how I feel like the decisions they made were for the most part the right ones. I feel like Jericho going over Cody Rhodes, Jericho winning the match against Hangman Page and becoming world champion, Jericho with the inner circle, the storyline with Cody, then Jericho doing the stuff with Moxley. Like, I thought all of that was worked and played out well. That's how I'd say it. 
So. Well, yeah, it, it, I would I would say overall, yeah, Jericho winning was probably the right decision. I think they really had no other single stars for Jericho to wrestle at that time. Like, like what were they going to do with Jericho in November of 2019 instead of having him wrestle Cody? And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But realistically, it was like he had to face all three members of the elite. And yeah, you, you could argue having him beat all three of the guys that the company was founded on. Maybe not the best thing in, in hindsight. Maybe like 10 years from now, people will look at it differently once 10 years got, goes by. But, you know, as of right now, it still stands as the best decision. Um, the only thing I would have done personally is flipped the double or nothing in all out main events. I would have had Jericho and Omega be for the inaugural AEW championship instead of having like Jericho and Omega wrestle for a number one contenders match. Yeah, that's probably now, now. Now you've mentioned and explained that, I think that's that definitely would have been best for business. And also, I think you mentioned with the like the winners of these matches. I mean, God forbid! Imagine if Cody Rhodes beat Jericho for the world title at full gear. I mean, imagine. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I get, I get, I get that. They would have been outraged. They would have had to turn Cody Cody heel, and Cody's definitely better suited as an upper mid card babyface. But you know, it is yeah. It would have so, been, I mean, that, that happens. I mean, the, the inner circle gets formed, which when it comes to Chris Jericho, as far as his like legacy in the current day, the inner circle is going to be a, a big factor because how long the stable's together, we don't know. Maybe you're listening to this five years down the line and the inner circle have been broken up for two years. But as of the making of this, they've been like a stable effectively for over a year and a half now. They've been well and truly either in the main event scene of like AW. Or the upper mid card, they've been involved with a number of massive matches, notably the Stadium Stampede, a number of big storylines, moments. Kevin, what are your honest thoughts on the Inner Circle? Uh, I I liked the Inner Circle at first. My my at, at my very first initial reaction was, okay, this is cool. You have the Elite going up against Jericho and and and, and you know Jake Hager being a big surprise at Dyna, at the first Dynamite was kind of like uh, okay, like it's Jack Swagger. I don't really care. But Santana and Ortiz showing up, Sammy Guevara aligning with Jericho, that was pretty big. It's just the Jake Hager piece is still kind of like, it, it felt like AEW, they could have done better. That That's just my opinion. Like, I think maybe a guy like Brian Cage or somebody would have been a good addition. But, you know, I, I look at it, I'm like, wow, this is kind of like old school wrestling. It's almost like WCW in a lot of ways, for good or bad. Because you have the elite and that, that was the first big feud that AEW was built around for the first, what, six months up until the pandemic hit, it was the Inner Circle versus the Elite. And it was like, yeah, right, would you say it was like the marquee feud? And it was really good TV, I thought. Some of the segments they did with Jericho and, and Cody, some of the segments they did with, you know, just with the, the both teams fighting. You have, like, you know, you throw Darby Allen in there. I, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I thought they worked it really well. Like, legit, the Inner Circle, I mean, you call them kind of, it's like a WCW type of stable almost like i think the way they formed it when they had like you know the first dynamite show closed with jake hagar being like the big surprise and the inner circle was formed it was it was kind of cool you know like i'm not gonna fake shock and be like oh my god jack swagger's in aw oh wow like okay you know but the stable itself was cool jericho i'll never forget watching that promo live the next week where he, he did the infamous line, a stupid idea from Bad Creative. I'll never forget that. That that line will live in Twitter history forever. That is just Kevin. What a line! Yeah, that yeah. that that was when it was still funny when AEW mentioned WWE. 
and we'll talk about that later on in the Tony Khan episode. That was like yeah. the first one where it was like, wow, oh, okay, that was that was funny. Good line, Jericho. I got to give it to him. And I'm generally not a fan of those cheap those cheap shots at WWE, but that was a good one. And it, well, it, yeah. that one was needed because there was a building full of people. These just 36 year old men who are like, I oh, know, I know things. We the people, we the people, and then. Joker did that, and they're all like, "Hey, just WWE, the able A pal, yeah, stick yeah. it to him, Chris." Exactly. Like, I, I think it's funny though that even AEW fans hate hate Jake Hager. I just have to get that in there. It's just it's funny to me. Nice, nice. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, like that happens. Joker does that line. They do that whole segment where like, yeah, the Inner Circle have their like their skybox. I'll never forget that. Like the Inner Circle is sitting there, and Cody Rhodes is like you know, having a match and then, you know, Rhodes like looking up at the elite, um, the inner circles like skybox and like Dustin Rhodes rushes out there. It's just and this big brawl erupts and it's just, you got like the elite and like, you know, Dustin and you've got the inner circle punching through the concourse. And I mean, that was a great segment in itself. Like, so many like cool segments happened in the first like couple of months of dynamite involving the elite, the inner circle. Jericho's role in that was huge. He was like the, you know, the, the main face of the whole thing. So I thought that was good, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Jericho being the face of Dynamite, probably the best move with these promos. Like you said, you have you have smart fans that are just clamoring for any kind of like you know inside baseball. We the people, we the people. I know he was swagger. I watched WWE. It's like, like, what is this? Like, okay, we 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 get it. You you have a Twitter account. Well done. Go outside. Like, (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, I, I remember he did the, the title defense against Darby Allen on an episode of Dynamite. You know, that was what it was. Um, I wasn't a big, I guess we could transition to the Cody fan, to the Cody feud. I wasn't a, as big yeah. of a fan as some people were of the Cody feud. I, I just thought, like, once Cody said, oh, I'm never going to get a, an AEW title shot if I lose, I just thought it got cheesy after that. Like, is that necessary? You know, Did, like, you know what I mean? It just felt like a really unnecessary yeah. line. That, that, that took it me out of it. It wasn't necessary at all. But then, like, in totality, you look at Cody Rhodes, and it's like, it's probably been best for AEW, because if Cody Rhodes is in, like, the world title picture, do you think that would have done more good or more bad for AEW, you know? Like, well, I, I think I think Cody being used in a role where he can challenge for the title at a pay-per-view in, in, a, in just a random match, like, if they need something that they're short on, on ideas, they could do that. You know, like now they're kind of in a position where Cody is just going to be mid card for life. And like, what is he, what is Cody doing now? Like he's doing gender reveals on TV. He's making his, yeah. his matches with mid card indie wrestlers more important than, you know, Moxley's match when he was AEW champion. So that, that's a whole other topic for another day. But I, yeah. I, I just wasn't a fan of this at all. Really? Like I, I, some of the segments were good, but I wasn't a fan of the Cody Jericho pairing in general. I just, I've, yeah, it was just not not for me. Yeah, I mean, reasonable. But I think, like, th- this was their first pay-per-view since going to TNT. So having Jericho versus Cody Rhodes, it, it's, it was a logical, you know, main event type match to do. At the same time, they're doing Moxley and Omega at that show and unsanctioned. So they really loaded up full gear 2019. I think the build of Jericho Cody... I mean, that contract signing, I remember vividly. I remember it being worked pretty well. Like, I couldn't recite to you line for line what was said or anything, but I remember watching that live thinking, yeah, pretty damn good segment. I mentioned, like, the inner circle, like, the, the concourse brawl. I mean, the, the elite, pretty good. Just generally across the board, 
I'd say the whole Cody and Jericho thing, I'd say the best way to describe it, Kevin, pretty good. Was it an all-time great pro wrestling segment and angle and match and storyline that everyone's going to fondly remember for decades and decades? I mean, I'm sure some all late shills will, but generally speaking, it was objectively just pretty good. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, it was it was solid. You know, it it did the job. Um, it did you know it did what it needed to do. No, I guess another thing we need to mention too, while we we're talking about this era of Jericho, was when Scorpio Sky pinned him on an episode of Dynamite. Well, what, what were your thoughts on that? So random, like, like, like why? Yeah, yeah like that's one thing with Scorpio Sky. It's like. You see it at the moment, like when we're recording this bio, Scorpio Sky the second straight week has run out in the, maybe even third straight week, has run out in the Dynamite main event and interfered and started beating someone up to close the show. And it's like, they do this random stuff with Scorpio Sky, like him pinning Jericho. Like this is the Jericho who beat Omega, Paige, Cody. I get it was like a roll up and it wasn't like a, you know, a real setup finish where, oh, Scorpio Sky is going to really beat Jericho and bury him wasn't like that at all. But nonetheless, like, you have Scorpio Sky in a tag match pin Jericho. It's like, is there a need for this? Like, really? It, you know? it, it like, gave me, like, really negative flashbacks to when Fandango or or Fandango pinned Chris Jericho at WrestleMania 29. Like, that's that was the first thing that went through my mind. And I uh, remember watching, like, yeah. like what, did, what did they get? Like, what, is, what has Scorpio Sky done since then? It was like the first time that AEW just hot shot is something. It was like, yeah, we'll figure it out later, and then they just dropped it. I was not a fan at all. Like, why are you having Scorpio Sky pin Jericho? And nothing against Sky, like you said, but it's you, you have Sammy well, Guevara's like, in the match. Why can't Sammy Guevara take the L? It just it didn't make sense. They, they were hyping up like I remember them hyping up like, oh, Jericho's never taken a loss in AEW. So I'm thinking, okay, the guy that's gonna be Jericho is a guy like maybe Hangman or somebody else like Moxley, someone. And it's going to be this big deal. Jericho's going to drop the title. But no, Jericho's first loss is him losing in a random tag match to Scorpio Sky. It was I, I, it was just weird. Weird booking. Just so random. Like, legit, you've got Sammy Guevara there, who is literally Chris Jericho's version of Jey Uso. You know, the, the guy who will lose to Jericho's, the guy he's feuding with in literally every match and get take the pins. Guevara's there, but instead Scorpio Sky pins Jericho. And I get some people can be like, oh, well, you're dwelling too much on this. It, it, it doesn't really matter. It's like, well, they, they built Jericho up the first like year as like, this is the all-encompassing, why, this is the demo god. Like, I'm not calling him that at that point, but this is the, the guy who is the face of you know, our promotion. And then he loses to Scorpio Sky. This isn't Sting. <laughs> this isn't him losing to one of these like all-time legends who everyone knows. It, it, it's Scorpio Sky, Kevin. Yeah, and I get like, it. It's aggressive booking. I commend them for being aggressive and doing things that WWE doesn't necessarily do. But they it, did the Fandango thing, Kevin. Right, so, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but like Jericho, if you compare Jericho to what he was in AEW, he was kind of like the John Cena or Brock Lesnar of AEW. You know, like you compare, you know, you can't really compare the two. You know what I mean? Well, but like, this is what your people, your people being like, well, but what, what? So it's okay when Hurricane pins the Rock, or it's okay when, like, Maven eliminates the Undertaker. But when Jericho gets pinned by Scorpio Sky, it's like, oh, well, okay. But like, you you look at it case by case. But the fact of the matter is, first time Jericho got pinned in this promotion was the Scorpio Sky. You know, that just doesn't sit well. It's just 
it doesn't. It doesn't. It was like it was AEW being aggressive just for the sake of being aggressive. They have no plan. They had no no story to make Scorpio Sky into a big star because theoretically, Scorpio Sky pinning Jericho two years removed, he should be doing more than just appearing on AEW Dark doing commentary in the middle of random matches, right? Like I, I think that's pretty fair to say. But well, like. Well, you got to look at the times. This was legit like, November 2019, late November this happened. At the time, SCU had just either won the tag titles and become the inaugural tag champions, or they were like a week away from doing so. So in that regard, was it a play to try and make the tag team division seem more legitimate because one of the tag team champions just pinned Jericho? And if, if you're doing that, I mean, what's the need when AW? Everyone knows they've got a good tag division anyway, so what's the need to do that if that maybe that was the thinking? Like trying to rationalize it is a tough one. Considering I I can I just don't know. It, it was a weird move. Jericho did it really hurt him that much in the long run? I mean No. Jericho getting pinned innocuously by Scorpio Sky in a random match in November twenty nineteen. Compare that to a three month long feud with Orange Cassidy. It, it, the, the Sky thing's a, a non event, but like just weird it's a weird it was a weird occurrence, Kevin. Yeah, this guy, yeah, the Scorpio Sky pinning Jericho doesn't hurt Jericho at all. Jericho still got one of the most popular podcasts in the wrestling world. He's still a superstar. He's still a rock star. Like, he's still the biggest star in AEW to this day, two years later. It's still, it doesn't he's matter. He's buried, Kevin. He's buried. <laughs> he lost a match. He's buried. Oh, yeah. 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 Tony Khan's got it out for Jericho. <laughs> but, yeah, so that we could, we could talk about, um, we could talk about, Oh yeah, then they had a match. I remember I say this real quick. They had a match at I believe the next week, a one on one match where Jericho just beat Scorpio Sky and it was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know. But yeah. Not really much to say there. Also, I wanna quickly mention another thing. I mean, we could I, we could t- discuss the Cody match. I wanna talk about the one thing after that real quick. Mm-hmm. I remember the Lexicon of Lay Champion is one of the best things. And also, how have we not talked about this? The little bit of the bubbly. Like, that was legit. After Jericho wins the title and he eventually loses the belt, like, the next day, and that was, like, a big, big story, Jericho is literally walking around backstage being like, yeah, I'm going to celebrate with a little bit of bubbly. Like, and that, that becomes the most sold T-shirt, I believe, in AEW's first year. I could be mistaken, but it's no, right you're, up you're, there. you're correct, yeah. Yeah, and you've got Chris, you know, Chris Jericho's face when he was, like, all beaten up and battered from the match with Hangman. And he's, you know, he's walking around with a bottle of bubbly. And then I remember for the holiday season, they sold Chris Jericho bottles of bubbly. And they, they sold like 12,000 bottles in the first week or something. And then like, that's like the holiday merchandise for AEW. And then Jericho does the lexicon of lay champion. Like the, one of the things with Jericho, we talked about this enough already, but just generally there's always something new. That There's something fresh. There's something different. A, you know, a little bit of the bubbly, the lexicon of lay champion. Like, yes, it was just a rip off the list, but it was a different name. Like, always doing something different. That's just the greatness of Jericho, pal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You, you pretty much covered where I was going. So, yeah, you have Good. the lexicon of lay champion. Yeah. Do, do you want to say anything about the Cody match, though, at full gear specifically? Anything you want to add about that? Um, Similar to the Hangman match. I mean, yes, the storytelling was much better in the Cody match because, I mean, MJF's involvement would he throw in the towel and then MJF eventually did. And then, you know, just Cody was in, Cody was in the walls of Jericho and it was just, it was excruciating pain and Cody couldn't take it. So, you know, they, they do the, the whole thing. Jericho retains as you kind of expected. I mean, Cody winning just wouldn't have been the right move in the long run. I don't, definitely don't believe that. So yeah. Um, 
No, nah, anything you've got about Cody and Jericho from Full Gear, or do you yeah, want to move on to Yeah, I haven't really said else? my piece. So I, I want to talk about the Moxley feud. I want to talk about one thing really quickly also. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, the, the stuff they did with the Jurassic Express in December, I mean, I, it's pretty innocuous, but like this is like dynamite, like what, eight, nine, ten episodes in. Yeah, this is like a really early days dynamite. And they had this segment where Chris Jericho's in the ring. It was the lexicon of like champion list. Like Jericho was contractually obliged to defend his champion AW world title one more time on dynamite in 2019. And he's going through the list of all people he might be facing. And he's like, Moxley, Cody, Page, Hangman Page, 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 Cody, Moxley. And it's just, it's a funny segment. And then he, you know, the one person he leaves off is Jungle Boy. And then he, you know, literally Joker calls him a POS. Like, literally, it was pretty funny. Just generally speaking, the stuff of Jungle Boy, random, innocuous, good, you know. It's, it's good TV, pal. Yeah, it's classic Jericho. Um, Jericho was a meme in, in 2019. 2019 Jericho, those memes are going to live forever. That little bit of the bubbly, like champion, all, all that stuff. That's going to live forever. And then even later on, the demo god, like those things are going to live forever. But Well, Kevin, that's, that's what you need in wrestling. Like, you need that kind of stuff where, like, Social media is going to keep talking about you and you're going to stay relevant. That's like, that's 2021. Like Roman Reigns, we talked about that in the 50 Reasons Reigns is Awesome video. Reigns has that in spades with like the social media, you know, gifts and, you know, funny moments. Jericho in 2019 had that at the wazoo. Like, once again, greatness of Jericho, the amount of different stuff he do, just wild. Yeah, that's why I love Jericho. He's always funny. He's at the cutting edge of society. He knows what to say for the most part in the ring. You know, um, not outside of the ring, though, as we'll get to. But yeah, yeah go on, go on. We're gonna get to that. So yeah, so I want to talk about the Moxley feud. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up all of his meme-worthy stuff too, because I, I kind of forgot about most of it. I thought, I, in my timeline, I thought those things happened in like February, January. But you're right, they did happen at the no. end of 2019. Um, yeah. So then we get to this to this Moxley feud, and I, I just remember the whole genesis of the feud was Moxley going like, uh, I, "I think I'm gonna join the inner circle, Chris. Yeah, we, we came from the WWE, Chris." Like that, that's pretty much what I remember. Just Jericho handing him a shirt, and Moxley just going, you know, oh, oh, should I join? Should I not join? What should I do? It was like, it was at that point where it became evident that Moxley was going to be the new guy, right, to, to take the reins from AEW. But for me, it felt like this feud kind of dragged. Would Would you say like it was good, the Jericho Moxley feud? But it, it dragged. This This was the first time you you really kind of noticed AEW having four pay per views a year. Like, because they did full gear in God knows when, like early November, like I don't know, November ninth, twenty nineteen. It was a month after the first Dynamite. Yeah, yeah, I think November 9th, twenty nine, something like that. Yeah. So then Revolution twenty twenty is literally like February like twenty seventh. It's like end of February. So you've got literally four months to fill in. So that's where you get the Scorpio Sky thing, you get the Jungle Boy thing. Dynamite has like a week off at the end of 2019 following the Dark Order Dustin Rhodes incident, which made the Young Bucks quit Twitter. And then you begin 2020, we get Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, which that's once again Chris Jericho reinventing the wheel, doing a cruise. Like, just only Jericho, Kevin. Like, wow. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To answer the initial question for you, go on with whatever you want to say. Just, yeah, the, the feud definitely did drag. Like, that was the first time I really noticed being like, nothing's really happening on these shows. Like, there are a number of dynamites. Like, yes, the build to Revolution, some notable, like, really notable stuff did happen. We did see, will John Moxley join the inner circle? That segment they did where Moxley 
predictably turned at the end after he tricked Jericho into thinking he was going to join the stable. And then they, they spent six weeks with like Jericho being like, well, John, I'll give you possession of the $750,000 car if you join the inner circle and you'll have 49% or 51% rights to the uh, you know, inner circle LLC. It's like, okay. And it just went on and on, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. My, my general synopsis on this was like, maybe AEW, they could have done like a, like a Jericho Scorpio Sky program from December to January. And then like middle, middle to late January, they start building Jericho and Moxley. It was like they didn't really need to build this feud for three months. It was just kind of unnecessary, you know. Hmm. That's probably the way well, like, I would look at it. Would you say they could have had maybe if they do the Jericho Sky thing, have Jericho or Scorpio Sky for like the AW World Title main event, the Jericho Rock and Rager at sea? Yeah, something maybe? like that, or the New Year's episode. That was a big episode, you know. They were doing a lot of big shows at that time. Like, I mean, they did the. Oh, they did the the New Year's show, the Homecoming show, Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager, Bash at the Beach. I mean, they were like Dynamite at the beginning of twenty twenty was really good. It, it was a stack of fun. It was a stack it was of really fun. So. Yeah, yeah. Like I, really I think good. you have you know you have Jericho and Scorpio Sky main event, the big New Year's show. Like they could have that like a, like a TV free pay per view. You know, they do some some big stuff on it, just freestyle and really you no know, rhyme or reason, but. Yeah, like I, I just I think some of those segments, like the the car segment with Moxley, it was just like, is this necessary? You know, like we know that Moxley and Jericho are gonna fight. Can we just get to it? You know, like it was it was still like good TV, it was quality TV, but it just it was like you felt the fatigue, you know. Well, I remember at the time Jericho was having a match with Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom fourteen, so right. he's. I remember that one segment where Jericho was in Japan. And he was like standing in front of the $750,000 car. And he, it, the whole, he did like a five minute promo being like, John Moxley, this car could be yours. If you do proceed to join the inner circle, John, we're going to need a decision from you, whether you will join the inner circle. Right here is a $750,000 car. If you, John, join the inner circle, you get this car. Like That was legit the promo. Because yeah. Jericho was like on the outside of the world about to have a match with Tanahashi, which... I mean, I, I'll mention that really quickly. That match was jokes. Jericho flipping off the New Japan crowd, flipping <laughs> off the camera. It was yeah. just funny. Like, the match was a meme, but nonetheless, like, yeah, Jericho Moxley. Anything you want to say about the match at Revolution, Kevin? Yeah, I, just, I, remember, that, I just remember that segment. I'll just say this. It was just like, Moxley's just like, oh, I don't know, Chris. I'm not going to join. It was like, oh, okay. Um, thank you for that, Mr. Moxley. But, yeah, the match at, at, at uh, Revolution, it was pretty good. I thought it was good. It was, you know, predictable outcome. You kind of knew that Moxley was going to get the belt. Um, in hindsight, was that the right way to go? Do you think having Jericho put over Moxley? What, what do you think? Uh, I think if the pandemic never hit, like it, it's one of those things. Moxley's title reign, same thing with Drew McIntyre. It's like he got put in a very tough position. I think giving Moxley the ball supposedly was probably a good way of going. Like, yeah, Jericho was really good and all. And Jericho probably could have held the title for even upwards of like six more months, realistically. But giving it to Moxley, I thought it was a, it was a rational move. It made sense. If the pandemic never hit, I'm sure it'd be a bit you know, a bit better of a reign. Instead, Moxley's reign's legit. Six weeks of them building up to an empty arena, no holds barred match versus Jake Hagar. I'm just like, bro, bro. Yeah, that was that was interesting. That whole build, but yeah. So you have. Yeah, I think it was the right way to go. 
Moxley was, I guess you could say, in theory, in AEW's biggest mainstream star. He just came off a run with the Shield. You know, a lot of people could argue that. Um, I mean, it's definitely Jericho in my in my from my perspective, but you could argue that yeah. Moxley was the biggest mainstream star. So it was. That's a quick question. Quick question. So let's real quick compare. 2016, Jericho and Ambrose do their feud. They're feuding over Mitch the Potted Plant. I mean, we ranted about this in the last episode. And then we get this 2020 storyline between Jericho and Moxley. You know, which one do you think was better? How much better was one than the other? Just real quick, compare them, could you? Like- I, I would say, I mean, the AEW feud was better, definitely, just by just by pure default. Because any, any, almost anything in wrestling is going to be better than, than Dean Ambrose going... Hey, this is my potted plant, Mitch. Uh, I, I met him at a doctor's office, huh? You know, <laughs> you know anything's going to be better than that. Jericho and, so and Ambrose feuding so over a talking plant or whatever. This plant, this imaginary friend of Dean Ambrose. Like, no, anything's better than that. But the Jericho Moxley thing wasn't riveting TV. You know, it wasn't, you know, you can't miss. I think Cody and MJF and Kenny Omega, Hangman and the Young Bucks were kind of carrying dynamite at that time. Yes, 100%. I remember February 2020, this is when they're like they're, they're ramping up the build to Moxley and Jericho. And the whole storyline is that Moxley lost an eye. You know? And it's like you've got MJF doing lashings to Cody, Cody doing a moonsault off a cage versus Wardlow. You've got Omega doing a 30-minute Iron Man match with Park, Omega and Page versus the Lucha Bros, the tag type. You got all this stuff happening on Dynamite. I remember the women's division was actually like kind of decent in that February. Meanwhile, the main event world title scene between the two biggest namesake stars in the promotion, Jer- um, Jericho and Moxley, is legit. Moxley, you lost your eye. You have to wear an eye patch. Oh, you made, I believe it was Santana lose his eye. Oh, well, we're going to have a match at Revolution. Here's our weigh-in segment. Oh, the weigh-in segment got destroyed at the end. Like, you know, just meh. But it, <laughs> compared, to, compared to Mitch the Plant, where, Jer- where Moxley's like, Oh, I'm, I'm crazy. You know, the, the, the part of plan. I, I smashed it on you, Jericho. I love Mitch. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Yeah, the only thing I say is like this was AEW's two biggest stars from a mainstream perspective going at it. Uh, it was definitely the right move for the pay per view. Moxley winning was the right move. Um, and then the pandemic hit, like pretty much right after, like literally what two weeks after Moxley's title reign starts, the pandemic hits and. And here we are. Now we're kind and of everything like, changes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like one of the things like one segment I'll never forget is when they did Matt Hardy oh, was it is Debut oh, it was Jericho and Matt Hardy doing that face off in the empty arena. And then is they're just going they're just they're just in the ring just talking in like full character for like eight minutes. And Matt Hardy is like in the ring talking about He's 3,000-year-old whatever. Just Matt Hardy being Matt Hardy, just brilliant. And Jericho is, like, playing up to this perfectly. And it's just one of these segments where you're thinking, this is this is wrestling, pal. This is character. This is must-see stuff. So I remember that. And then, speaking of that, where did they go with that? Were they going to do Jericho versus Matt Hardy? What happened with that? I, I think that was the plan, had there been, had there been fans. Because the pandemic really threw a wrench. Like, I don't think... Oh, they were gonna do the blood and guts. That's what it was. Blood and guts was gonna yeah. That was, be... blo- that was like the main plan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was gonna be right. blood and guts. It was gonna be the inner circle versus the elite. And I think the whole thing was like the whole story was Cody was like, oh, I don't want to be in the elite anymore. I want to be on my own, kind of kind of thing. And they were gonna have maybe Matt Hardy 
join, but maybe take that spot and they're going to do Blood and Guts. Prob- I'm pretty sure Double or Nothing was going to be Broken Matt versus Jericho. I'm pretty sure that yes. was going to be the plan. But then they ended up doing, you know, the the, the stadium stampede, which was really good, meme worthy. That, that turned out that turned out amazing. I will say, like, yeah, Blood and Guts featuring the Inner Circle and the Elite never happened. That they'll be like you know, until the end of time, the whole the match was people go, Oh, I wish we saw that. Oh, I wish this happened. Like, obviously we get that. But it obviously pandemic hits. They were teasing Jericho and Hardy. Didn't really nothing really came of that. The stadium stampede happened. Insane. I, watching that live is something I won't forget. Like seeing Hangman Page riding through the sta- you know, stadium on a horse. And like Chris Jericho, I remember they recorded this like only two days before, or maybe the day before, double or nothing. And Jericho and everyone in the match was just raving about it, how great it was. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I know it's their job to do that, but you can tell that this is probably pretty sick. And then we saw it at double or nothing, and it's like, wow, okay, this is dope. Like, yeah, really it's fun. just a bunch of there's a bunch of grown men running around in a football stadium. You know, you got in an empty football stadium, you got Matt Hardy doing the reincarnations of Matt Hardy, um, the the famous meme of Matt on Matt chasing Sammy Guevara with the golf cart. I mean, you, you know that <laughs> you got Jer- your Jericho putting on a pylon hat on his head and just like laughing in the most corny giggle ever, and you got like Jericho screaming at Aubrey Edwards, then hitting a, a spinning back <laughs> elbow to the the Jacksonville mascot. I died at that. <laughs> it, it's it's like not one of these social media moments. Like Jericho. Within the space of 30 seconds, does the pylon hat bit, which was jokes, yells at Aubrey Edwards, and then looks at the Jacksonville mascot, calls him a stupid idiot. He called him, he yelled something abusive at him and hit a Judas effect on the mascot. Just like, this is yeah. just like, bruh. Good stuff. Man. You know, you got Hangman sitting at the bar alone, depressed. Like, that's another meme. Hangman and, and Omega doing the whole, like, the toast with the milk and the beer. There was just so much good stuff in that match. Yep. Um, and then so, I, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would say here after Stadium Stampede, things for Jericho kind of took a like a plateau. I don't want to say it took a turn for the worse, but well, things- no, no. To be fair, they, they did they did the segment with Mike Tyson literally about a week or a week and a half yeah. after. Yeah, I, I was gonna say yeah, they yeah like like they do this thing with Mike Tyson, and then it was like nothing happened. It was this big massive dynamite moment. Jericho and Tyson. Jericho's like, oh, I remember when you knocked me out ten years ago. Uh, more inside baseball, you know, and then they do this big face off. Mike Tyson has to be pulled apart. Mike Tyson looks like an absolute animal, you know, just ready to kill Jericho. Jericho's not afraid of him. And then it was like, oh, next week, Jericho and Orange Cassidy start feuding. They just forgot Mike Tyson ever existed. It was just weird, you know. Yeah, and like, and that segues into what we kind of talked about to begin this: Jericho and Orange Cassidy. Now it's like, okay. I get what they were trying to do. They saw something in Orange Cassidy. They want to have the biggest star in the promotion put over Cassidy. But really, the whole thing with this was, for one, I mean, how they booked the feud was okay. I mean, whatever. But really, it was the follow-up. It's like what they did with Orange Cassidy after All Out. And, I mean, what they did with him was basically nothing. Like, what did Orange Cassidy do after All Out? After three months of Chris Jericho, the biggest star in the promotion, losing matches to him putting him over, trying to make him seem like the biggest star on the planet. And they just did nothing with it. Yeah, yeah you know? I know. It was like they had Orange Cassidy out there with Miro, you know, getting beat up by Miro and Kip Sabian. And then he's doing like AEW Dark matches. They're promoting like, oh, it's Orange Cassidy versus so-and-so on AEW Dark. It's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, it, not a good, not a high point for Jericho's AEW run. 
it was kind of like I've said this before, but it was kind of like the extent of Jericho, his star power. Like, you know, Jericho, he could get anything over. He can get a piece of paper over, a, a plant, a pen, a list, a scarf, whatever. He could get all these things over. But then it was, you know, the, this guy, Orange Cassidy, started selling a bunch of t-shirts. So the Young Bucks were like, oh, let's put him in there. He's, sell- he's selling good merch, bro. Let's put him in there with you, Jericho. And Jericho's like, yeah, I'll get him over. And it just didn't work. You know, there were some people that really enjoyed it. Some people got a kick out of Cassidy. But the Orange Cassidy bit, the character, whatever you want to call it, the Orange Cassidy persona is something that needs fans. It's not the same when you have Orange Cassidy doing his his sloth style in an, in an empty arena or a bunch of planted wrestlers. It's just not the same, you know, so it didn't have the same effect. And then you get these corny segments with Jericho beating Orange Cassidy with a bag of oranges and like Orange Cassidy dropping orange juice on Jericho in the inner circle, like, like his Vince McMahon getting crapped on by DX. You know, it, it's just like, eh, you know, maybe... maybe I remember watching this. I'm like, what are we, what are we watching? Like, this is no better than Caleb Braxton getting slime dumped on her by John Morrison and, and the Miz. But because it happened in AEW, everybody loves it. You know? Yes, li- quite literally. It's it's like you you've got Joker getting orange juice and the inner circle getting orange juice all over them. And then the next week, Joker comes out holding like the the white blazer he was wearing that had all the orange juice on it, and he's like holding the blazer. And he's like, look what you did, Orange. Look what you did. This is a seven thousand dollar blazer, and it's like okay, like okay, you know, like he tried his best to make this work. He tried to make Orange Cassidy seem like some big, you know, generational encompassing star, but it's just like without the without the crowd there, without much investment there, it was really hard to care. Like the the one like positive I remember was like the debate segment with Bischoff. Like I remember that fondly. Like Eric Bischoff's out there, he asks some questions. Jericho is just talking and talking. Then they do the bit where Orange Cassidy recites like 30 seconds of in-depth scientific knowledge. Everyone's like, oh, wow. I like, I guess that was a good segment. But really, the whole three-month storyline was like, oh, well, you, you, you're flushing Jericho's momentum away for what? Orange Cassidy, you know? Yeah, like, that was that was good. The Bischoff debate segment was good. Orange Cassidy showing that he was he could talk and he was intelligent. Pretty good segment. But yeah, like you said, it's like, we're sacrificing all this momentum. We get to All Out. They have this Mimosa Mayhem match. And it's a 51-year-old man getting dumped into a, a like a hot tub of Mimosa by Orange Cassidy. Like that That's literally what happened. I'm not making it up. I'm not trying to be disparaging. That's that's just what I watched at All Out on pay-per-view. That, that's what people paid $50 to see. It was a 51-year-old man, professional wrestler slash heavy metal band, singer, whatever get dumped in a hot tub of vodka and orange juice. And and I'm, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, if this happened on WWE TV, the internet would lose their freaking mind. Like, imagine if Roman Reigns and Jey Uso had a match and Roman Reigns dumped Jey Uso in, like, in a hot tub of, like, chocolate milk or something. People would no, lose their picture, freaking no, mind. Imagine, imagine The Miz and John Morrison throw Damien Priest into a thing of orange juice and vodka. Yeah, people would lose like, their minds. Oh, Damien Priest is buried. The Miz and Morrison, they, they suck. Like, WWE's terrible. Well, I'm showing wrestling. I hope this company's stocks hit zero and they burn to hell tomorrow. I hate Vince McMahon, the evil A-pal. You know, AW's the good guys. AW has Jericho, as you say, a 51-year-old man, fall into this, this like, bath of orange <laughs> juice and vodka. And, I mean, I, I personally speaking, subjectively, I hate this match because... 
this was responsible for getting my channel copyright strike just this match but <laughs> nonetheless um i hate it too don't worry i'm, I'm with you so that happens um joko's the, the the only visual after all out because all out was quite literally aw's worst pay-per-view effort ever that was oh god what a show what a dreadful show all out was oh, that yeah. that show sucked but did, did it cassidy oh beat jericho twice in a row clean too he beat him on an episode of dynamite like three weeks before all out they then, did um oh, they did the match at fighter fest yeah jericho which i believe beat him. cassidy won then no, they did no, the no, seven thousand dollar blazer jericho match with jericho won yeah jericho beat him at yeah, fighter and then fest. they did the most match pal yeah jericho um, beat him at fighter fest and then cassidy won twice in a row cassidy won on dynamite and the big rubber match was, you know, Jericho getting thrown in a hot tub of vodka and orange juice. Like, oh. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So so that that happens. So you've got your biggest, the biggest star in the promotion gets beaten in a feud, in a three-month feud against Orange Cassidy, a guy who doesn't talk and is literally just the, the personification of just a mid-card talent. Like, that's, the, it's like, it's the, it's the same thing as taking the tribal chief Roman Reigns and having him do a three month storyline with Sami Zayn and Sami Zayn wins two of the three matches. It's a near, near enough the same thing. When you look at the characters, who they're catered for, how over they are, like it's, it's near enough the same thing. People are going to debate, oh, there's not a fair comparison. It essentially is. It's a mid-card talent where the top star in the promotion sacrifices their momentum to try and put someone over and elevate them when in reality, it's not really meant to do so. So Kevin, that happens, and where to from there with Jericho? Where does Jericho go from there, pal? Oh, well, you know, he goes right to a feud with MJF. That's pretty much what we get. And we're kind of still in the middle of that, right? Like, I mean, you know? kind of, but like one thing, this, this is around the time when Jericho's no, starting to get canceled. Story, like, I'm sorry, he gets a, we get a story, a storyline with MJF. Go, go ahead. Yeah, this is around the time when Jericho starts to get cancelled i mean around this time there's like there's the big ordeal with like the masks at a fozzy concert which we we, not for a second want to turn this into oh well mask anti-masks politics like we're not here to do that we're we're here to objectively report on and comment on jericho's you know life and legacy and whatnot so we, we can't deny there's this big ordeal with jericho where fozzy runs a concert and most of the people there aren't wearing masks, which considering the state of the global pandemic was a massive issue and raised a lot of alarm bells. Chris Jericho responsible for the spreading of coronavirus. Chris Jericho spreads COVID. Chris Jericho doesn't care about COVID. Chris Jericho doesn't think COVID is real. All this kind of BS is surrounding Jericho. He's being cancelled on Twitter. It's this big scandal, big deal, Kevin. What do you remember from this? Because you were fully entrenched in wrestling Twitter by this point. Walk me through the cancellation of Jericho here, pal. I just remember thinking, like, wow, <laughs> you know, this is crazy. It's crazy. Was this the same story? Does this correlate with, like, the the Jericho, the Fozzy band running at a festival with, like, 100,000 people or something? And then Jericho uh, tweets out, oh, there was 100,000 people, only four COVID cases, and everybody was, like, wanting Jericho's head on, on a platter. They ready to just, like, just chop his head off because of that? Yep, essentially. Yeah. And then that infamously led to a certain video from uh, our good friend, Polana Productions, called I Can't Support Chris Jericho Anymore, where essentially, because Jericho ran this concert, Jake Roberts could have died of coronavirus. That was, that was literally the video. So, um, yeah, what, yeah, what, this what, big what scandal... I'll say about this quickly, I didn't even yeah. answer your question. I'll, I'll say, you know, you got you look at this and it's like, 
for me personally, I don't really involve myself in what a celebrity does with their personal life. It's not really my business. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't yeah. really care. Like, it, and then there was it comes out too that he's a Trump supporter, a Republican, and that was like what, like six weeks later, they were canceling Jericho again for that. And it's yep. just like, why, like, why do we care so much about what he's doing with his personal life? Like, that's his decision. That's those people's decisions that didn't wear a mask. That's on them. That's it's entirely up to them. That's their right. But for wrestling fans to just look at it and be like, "Oh yeah, Jericho doesn't deserve to be on uh, to get a paycheck ever again because of this," may pro- not fair. It's not fair. You know, I, I don't think. Yeah, these people, these people, like the, the the Twitter cancellation crew is like demanding and like spamming Tony Khan, spamming Chris, spamming AW. Damn it! Make Chris Jericho apologize for what he's done. Take Chris Jericho off TV. Suspend Chris Jericho. And it's like, I mean, oh, it's such a contentious one, Kevin. Like, politics meets wrestling. It, it's never a good thing. Like, like this situation, there was, I think, legit two you know, notable cancellations. There was the Fozzie concert where masks weren't, like, really actively enforced. And then there was the whole thing with, you know, Chris Jericho donating to Trump's son or whatever. And, you know, Chris Jericho having Trump's son on the podcast and... Because Jericho, you know, is you know in favor of the Trumps as opposed to the Bidens, therefore, Trump, um, therefore, Jericho is the, the one of the worst people on earth. And it's like, well, as you just said there very well, it's not my business. It's not your business. Who gives a damn what Chris Jericho thinks politically speaking? Everyone, political opinions and just opinions in general are like noses. Most people have them, so you know, like. Yeah, it's just a mess, Kevin. So yeah, Chris Jericho got cancelled numerous times last year, and it was toxic every time it happened. Oh and my God. it yeah. was like incident after incident. It was like people are dragging up this record of Jericho donating to Trump's family, to the to the Trump, you know, the to the Trump organization, whatever you want to call it, for his political campaign. It's like, okay, why? Like, you know, why? And then there was yeah, like I, I literally. I'm, now I'm looking at it now. I made a video on November 5th, 2020. Chris Jericho is cancelled. You know, it's just like all this stuff. Like, wow. It's just controversy after controversy. I think the next controversy would be the NBA Twitter, right? The NBA Twitter um, oh, versus God Jericho. This, this was just... Oh. <laughs> NBA Twitter versus Chris Jericho. One of the this- best views of 2020. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> so I'll, I'll walk you through this one. So basically you get... Oh, it was legit the day. It was the day before. It was Christmas Eve, I believe. <laughs> the exact day, I don't know. But it was Boston versus Milwaukee, I believe. Whatever that happened with the game, I think Boston lost. Off, you know, like Tatum hit a big three, and then Bucks won by a point from memory, I think. And then you got these like angry Boston fans. Like the game's just finished. Then following the NBA on TNT, Dynamite comes on, and AW thinks it's a great idea to open the show with their biggest star, Chris Jericho. Totally cool. So Jericho walks out there for this inner circle like match or whatever, whatever they were doing exactly. Jericho walks out there, he removes his shirt, and all these Boston Celt- like angry Boston Celtics fans take to Twitter and just roast the crap out of this guy. Oh, yeah, you know, calling him Fat Jericho. What happened to AEW? What is AEW? This is a joke. This is a piss ant. Rip off WWE. This is a joke. And naturally, because of how sensitive the AEW hardcore crowd is, like hardcore fans. You had this massive just war on Twitter, war in the YouTube comments. Kevin, still to this day, five months later, I get a comment like 
couple times a week regarding this on my Chris Jericho gets fat shame video. People being like, well, Chris Jericho's in good shape for a 50 year old. And then people being like, Chris Jericho's obese. Like, it's just, like this, this thing, it's just, it's, it's like, what do you think of it? Like, I'm talking mind of his own. I was looking at this and my instant reaction was like, this is what happens when casual fit, when casual, everyday, average people are exposed to pro wrestling in 20, in 20, in 2020. That was yeah. my thought. Cause you got a bunch of people, they're saying like, what is this AEW and why is Chris Jericho still wrestling? Like, did it, did Chris Jericho wrestle in like 2003? Like, I haven't watched wrestling. People saying, oh, I haven't watched wrestling since 2005. Chris Jericho, he's all fat now. He, he's out of shape. Like, I remember when he used to be, he used to look like a wrestler. And it was just like, wow. You know, it was really like exposing the culture of wrestling, I think, as a whole, honestly. Cause the average NBA fan or even the diehard NBA fan, they're probably not watching wrestling. Chances are they're not watching wrestling on Wednesday oh, night. Okay. You know, okay. I, was it? Was, this was a Tuesday night dynamite too, right? This was right after the Tuesday night games on it, uh, the NBA. It was like a, yes. a, a, a eleven o'clock airing or a midnight airing or something. It was like a one hour like dynamite off the NBA just to give. Like the thinking of it is, we'll give the, um, dynamite some exposure following the NBA game, which that, that backfired severely. You know, you've got literally all these people just roasting Jericho. Then you have the body, you know, the body acceptance and body positivity crowd coming in saying Jericho looks you know, better than all of you for 50. And you know, Jericho looks better at 50 than most of you do now. I'm like, bull crap, bull crap. I'm, I'm like, personally speaking, my physique compared to Jericho, it, it, it's, it, there's no comparison. It's just like Jericho is obese compared to them. But they're like, that's just personally speaking. But you look at it across the board and it's like, all these random NBA fans are just like, just these like mostly just average, like 30 year old, 40 year old guys. You know, they're not overweight. They're just like guys who play, you know, rec league basketball. They're a fan of the NBA. They're not these 400 pound fat slobs who the body, po- I, it, body positivity is a mess of a situation. This is getting too political, pal. Let's move on. Yeah. I, I, I completely forgot another controversy that we kind of gloss over too. Oh God, spare me. Completely. <laughs> I, I forgot about the Sammy Guevara incident. Like they Oh God forbid as well. That's yeah. This one was a bit worse. I mean, to be fair, like if you want to go into that, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, I'll talk. I'll just say. So back in the day, maybe like five years ago, when Sammy Guevara was an up and coming indie wrestler, when he was like a you know he was a younger guy, maybe not making the best decisions. He appears on a podcast and he makes some comments about Sasha Banks. That you, you all you you all know what he said. I'm not even going to say it. Yeah, and terribly insensitive, just don't yeah. have a really place in modern society, yeah. Yeah, there's exactly. no place for it in society at all. Uh, so this kind of killed Sammy Guevara's push in AEW. Like they were they were doing they were in the middle of like Sex Gods, Jericho and Sammy. They were they were they were gonna challenge for the tag team championships in the near future. Like it was like you could see it, you know, it was gonna happen. And I think maybe this was kind of responsible for the Jericho Cassidy feud because I'm thinking if the Sammy Guevara situation doesn't happen, they're doing a babyface turn with Sammy Guevara and they're having Jericho feud with Sammy Guevara in the summer of 2020. That's probably where they were going because that's what it looked like, right? Like they were doing this where they were, they were teasing like Sammy was getting a little bit tired of Jericho, Jericho's getting tired of Sammy, and then this whole incident happens and it's like, wow, more controversy for Jericho, you know? Yep, yeah, I mean, Jer- Jericho just lives with controversy. I mean, that that sums up his literally second half of 2020. First half of 2020, Jericho was just everything to do with him was in the ring. And then seemingly the second half of 2020, outside of Lay Dinner Debonair with MJF, seemingly everything else was quite literally outside of the ring. There was the Fozzie concert, <laughs> the Sammy Guevara stuff, the fat shaming, the Trump stuff, just 
literally you, you couldn't go a few like a few weeks out Jericho getting you know riling up the Twitter crowd. Yeah. And then I I, 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 I laugh. I just I just laugh because it's just why like how <laughs> it's the, unlike any other business. You know, it's just it's uh, wrestling's unlike any other business. It's just it's funny. But go ahead, finish your thought. It's, I still can't get over how defensive people get over Chris Jericho's like physique. It it, it amazes me. Like I I, I kind of said this before. So I'm not going to just fully reiterate it. But Kevin, I I made this video December twenty fifth. I made this video Christmas Day. I dropped this, and I, it's currently right now April thirtieth. I'm still getting active comments and views on Chris Jericho gets fat shamed and roasted by NBA Twitter. Yeah. Actively, yeah, people are deal. so obsessed with it. You know, yeah, gone. It, it was a big like, deal. That's all I was gonna say. It was, it was a huge deal, and that happened. It was crazy. Yeah, and like I think that it's just you said it before, but it just goes to show like how mon wrestling like comes off. It, it like I mean that made mon wrestling look so just amateurish and so just second rate. It's like well, this is this is Chris Jericho, a guy who 15, 20 years ago, as we talked about in our bio last week, was the number you know he was like an upper mid card type of guy. Now he's like the face of this promotion and he's got a, you know, he's got a big gut. He looks out of shape and you've got NBA Twitter being like, what is this, bro? What, what is this? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it was. NBA Twitter, they're watching, you know, they're watching the Celtics and they're just like, they're like, oh, there's wrestling on. Okay, I'll check it out. I'll spend the first, you know, what, it's Christmas Eve. I got nothing else better to do. There's a pandemic. Why not? I'll watch this wrestling show. AEW, never heard of it. They hear Jericho. They're like, oh, well, they hear Jericho's music. Like, oh, that's a good song. And they see Jericho come out. It's like, oh, I remember Chris Jericho from back in the day. I used to watch WWE when I was like 10 years old. You know, I remember, oh, Jericho versus Shawn Michaels. Yeah, Jericho versus Christian. I remember all that stuff. And then Jericho gets in the ring. He takes his shirt off. And they're just like, well, what is this? LMAO, Jericho fat, OMG, AW sucks. What is this WWE job of fed? Like, yeah, they're like, what is this? Like, All Elite Wrestling? <laughs> what is All Elite Wrestling? What is AEW? Is this W? Like, I remember people, some people were tweeting, is this WWE? Does Vince McMahon own this? And it's like... Wow, yeah, it just it put wrestling in its place in society. It really, it really put a lot of things into perspective. Honestly, it was like I, I kind of loved it because it was a great like kind of wake up call reality check. Because a lot of people in the wrestling community live in a bubble, like a massive bubble, thinking that you know, wrestling is really socially accepted and like they're they're cool because they love Alistair Black and all this kind of stuff. Just generally speaking, like they love these like Cesaro needs to be world champions, like these type of people, and then a regular person who watches the NBA on Christmas Eve sees their, their Celtics lose and is annoyed, sees 10 minutes of this, and then just goes, this is a joke. Jericho is fat. What is this joke? Like, <laughs> it's funny. Like, it, it's just, it, it goes to show you what generally, you know, non-wrestling fans see wrestling as. It was a fascinating little social experiment, I found. Yeah, absolutely, it was. It was just, it was beautiful to watch unfold. It really was. It was just... Beautiful from a sense of like this. It's just it was just like what? Why is this happening? Why it was is... vindicating. I found it vindicating. It's like yeah. it, everything I say is why wrestling is not cool. Everything you say, it's like yeah, this is legit. This is just proof. This yeah. is yeah. The wrestlers, the sh- you know, the physiques of the wrestlers, just what wrestling comes off as. Do, do you remember it. what Jericho was doing on that show? Was he in a tag team match? Was he in like a was he do, was he? It was like it was, an opening, it, was, it was an opening tag match. I think it was Jericho and. It was Jericho. It was some version in a circle against I don't know who for life of me, but yeah. Craziness. Um, yeah, that was like watching that. It's like wow. Yeah, yeah. Then there was you know the whole. I guess where we are now is 
the inner circle versus the pinnacle. It's pretty much where we are in current Chris Jericho now in 2021. I, I just really quickly to clarify that it was the uh, holiday bash, December 23rd, 2020. It was Jericho and MJF versus top flight. That was the match. Just so no one has to correct us in the comments. So yeah, now move us on, Kevin. Let's get into 2021. Let's round out Chris Jericho, pal. Let's yeah, go. here we are. We're pretty much in this. Like they they did the they did the the segment in Vegas with MJF and the Inner Circle of Jericho. So pretty much the story being played off here is that Chris Jericho he he likes MJF, but the rest of his friends in the Inner Circle are like MJF's bad news. He's gonna turn on you, bro. And Jericho's like, no, MJF would never do that. No, he loves me. That's pretty much. That's pretty much what the basis of the storyline was with, with MJF joining the Inner Circle. Am I right? Yeah, for sure. Like, the, the, the storyline, it was interesting because you have MJF who, like, I mean, he does stuff with Cody. He, you know, has his, like, fake little injury. He has a match with Jungle Boy, Double or Nothing 2020. Does stuff with Moxley, which I... Gen- I like, we, we talk about AW booking with the world champions. MJF... I honestly feel like should have had a three-month world title run and beaten Moxley it all out. I genuinely believe that. Considering where the AW product was from September through November of 2020, why not give MJF like a little teaser run of what to expect years down the line, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Because compared to what we actually got, where it was legit Moxley and Eddie Kingston and the whole storyline, the way Wrestling Jesus wrote this storyline never ceases to make me laugh. It's literally, it's Eddie Kingston... And, you know, John Moxley's like, Eddie, I know your mother, Eddie. Eddie Kingston's like, you know, hey, whoa. It's just, oh, they're doing this whole storyline of Eddie Kingston's mom. And then it just, I don't know. MJF is champion for three months before he loses Omega would have been cool. But nonetheless, nonetheless, MJF and Jericho, they do lay dinner debonair. One of the most polarizing segments of 2020. Some people absolutely hated it, said it was corny, G-rated, all that kind of stuff. And some people loved it. So, Kevin, what did you think of it? I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. I don't really... I can't say it was great or bad. I just thought it was good. I enjoyed it for what it was. You know? Um, the, the, then, like, when you look at the the MJF Jericho storyline, uh, it was just... It seemed just so predictable to me. It's really what I think about it, but... Well, what did you think about it? They didn't debonair as a whole. Um... Uh, you, you can obviously see what they're going for. They're going for, like, a kind of theatrical-type deal... Where they're like they're singing, they're doing the long-winded exchange where Jericho's like, "I want this type of steak," and MJF's like, "I want that type of steak, but with this." And Jericho's like, "I want that type of steak he got, but with this and this." And then they do this back and forth exchange. They're calling the waiter the wrong name, and then they start like dancing around the table, and then they've got like the the dancers there, and it was a it was a memorable segment, which as we've talked about in past shows. Memorable is basically good at this point because the amount of wrestling you just forget because of just how uneventful it is. So it was memorable, but was it like God tier? No, no, absolutely. Yeah, and then you know, for me, like I said, already predictable. You knew MJF was eventually going to turn on Jericho and show his true colors. Um, I thought it was a more creative way they did it in a way. Like, I don't remember too much from what I from memory. What I remember is MJF. Um, he gets caught. Uh, he gets pretty much caught at 4K by Sammy Guevara. Sammy has this video of MJF talking crap about Jericho, and Sammy's like, "See, I told you, bro. I told you MJF was no good." And that's pretty much how it went down, right? I mean, yeah, quite literally. It's like 
yeah, they do the they do this like break up the dissension. We get that MJF Jericho versus the Young Bucks match at Revolution in 2021. Sloppy as hell match. Like people rate that four and a quarter stars. God knows how, but nonetheless, just botches are plenty. A terrible match. So they do that, and then they do this breakup angle, and now I guess that leads us to the Pinnacle versus the Inner Circle pal. MJF turns on Jericho, and I mean anything else before we uh, start to wrap this up, pal. Yeah, really, not much to say. Uh, not you know, at, at, we're gonna have blood and guts. We're gonna have Pinnacle versus the Inner Circle. Pinnacle is basically MJF stable. We need another stable in AEW, and I can't get enough of them, pal. Um, so it's what it's MJF, it's um, FTR, Sean yep. Spears, Wardlow, yep. Tully Blanchard, and then they're going yep. up against the Inner Circle. And I mean, I find it in, and I find it interesting to to an extent. Like I'll say this, I'll make this point to really end the podcast. I think they should have done Jericho and MJF, this whole storyline. They should have done this after Jericho lost the belt. Instead of, like, if you knew that you were going to have MJF lose to Moxley, they should have just done MJF and Jericho in, like, a, a, a non-title upper mid-card feud. And I think it would have... Damn right. Yeah, Damn it would have helped both yes. guys' momentum. Because now both guys' momentum is just kind of dead. It's just, like, really, realistically, the only people that care are just the people that love AEW no matter what they put out there. You know, that, that those are the people that are really only invested in this MJF-Jericho thing. It's just like Jericho doing more inside baseball references. He made a reference just this past Wednesday on Dynamite yesterday as we're recording this. I already forgot what he said, but I know he said something to MJF. Or was it Sam- oh, Sammy Guevara? I'm sorry. Sammy Guevara called Sean Spears a jobber, basically, in WWE. And that's kind of what we're doing now. It's still like the same corny WWE references that, like I said, were funny back in 2019 when Jericho did, you know, Jericho did the one, the bad idea for bad creative. But now in 2021, it's like, eh, you know, it's it's just not for me, I, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, they, they've done MJF versus Jericho after that. I mean, definitely. It's like, they could have like had some fun with that. They could have done either that debate segment with Bischoff and had MJF debating Jericho. That would have been must-see. Absolutely. Like, MJF and Jericho going back and forth as Bischoff is moderating it as, like, the main event of a Dynamite. Like, that would get ratings. Or, like, you could have had, you know, MJF doing his, like, presidential campaign. And, that like, the whole campaign is to have, you know, get a match with Jericho. Like, maybe you have Jericho beats MJF in the first match. And then MJF has, like, a presidential campaign to get the rematch with Jericho at All Out or something. Like, you can have fun with it, Kevin. Like, it would have been pretty damn cool. And it would have been better than, oh, well, let's do Jericho falling in orange juice. Yeah, let's have Jericho fall and take a vodka bath, pal. Yeah, that I mean that yeah. I, I think I hope AEW learned their lesson that t shirt sales don't necessarily transition to like to stardom. You know? Like that was kind of the whole thing with that with Orange Cassidy. That was the justification that a lot of AEW fans were defending it for. It's like, oh he sells t shirts, so he's gonna be a big star. It's like not always the case. But yeah, back, back to Oh he's so cool, he's over. Okay. Right, yeah. It's good it's good we get the the, the, the solar monster in AEW is over, pal. But um yeah, so they do that, and um, yeah, I guess that kind of wraps it back full circle. Now we're at Blood and Guts 2021. Chris Jericho leading the inner circle into battle against uh, the Pinnacle. So I guess just for the culture, Kevin, who do you think's winning that match? Uh, I'll say I'll say the Pinnacle. The Pinnacle's going to get the dub, you know, so that way the yeah. feud can keep going. True. It's just it's going to keep. It's never going to end, is it, pal? Long term storylines, pal. Oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah. We make movies, damn it. Yeah, so I, I guess in closing, 
which era of Jericho would you say is more impactful for the wrestling business? His WWE run or his AEW slash New Japan run? I think, oh, mm. my initial reaction was, well, which WWE run? Because he's had many, but at the same time, like when you put, <sighs> mm. I think it'd have to be his WWE run. And I'd probably pinpoint, mm. I'd probably, I'd still look at it as Jericho's like 08 run and everything in that time period was what is going to like define his career most. Because, and like the main reason I back that up is because even though, yes, you know, being not solely responsible for AW getting off the ground, but being like the pioneer of that is significant. When you look at how that's perceived by casual and mainstream fans, i.e. through the NBA Twitter thing, it's like, it's it's only really tapping into like a, a real niche. But Jericho in like 08 and whatnot was like, he was saying the world ablaze when like literally about five to six times more people were watching. So... That's my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough one. You know, if you're looking at purely impact on the wrestling bubble, the wrestling business, there's a case that his AEW slash New Japan run is. I think a lot of a lot of people. I I probably say most people listening to this podcast will side with his his modern run, and they'll say that was more impactful, um, just because you know it's Jericho, him going to New Japan, that famous vignette in 2017, basically. He fathered this, you know, this AEW promotion in a lot of ways. He made it possible, and he brought competition to WWE. And I think a lot of people will be grateful to him for that. I think a lot of people will stick with Jericho forever for that. But then you look at him, the, the other side of it. It's like he was a big name in the Attitude Era. He beat Austin and Rock, and then he had his 08-09 run. Yeah, so it, it's really, I was, I don't know, it, it's tough. You can make a case either way. And then I, I would say, I mean, this WWE run, you have to say by default, is better because... He had a near 20-year run in WWE, so you have to, I think you would have to say, like, who knows what he could do in AEW? Who knows how long he's going to be there? But that run in WWE was just crazy. But, yeah, I mean, Jericho... Well, many people people think Jericho should, like, hang it up, supposedly, and, like, just either turn to commentary or turn to being an on-screen personnel and not actually wrestling. Like, do you think that's fair? Do you think Jericho should wrestle for only, like, a couple, like, a year more and then go into commentary or like what, what do you think going forward Jericho I think commentary is a natural fit for him he's already a, a one of the best podcasters in the world you know one of the most popular synonymous podcasters he's really bridged the gap and made he was one of the guys that helped make podcasting mainstreaming too that's another thing that we could talk about if we wanted to but there's really no need to nobody really wants to hear about that but so naturally with that background and then I think he would be a great commentator yeah I think that's probably the way to go I would say. Well, well, like from what we've seen from Jericho as a commentator, like as has been the case of Jericho's whole career, as we talked about over near enough like the four hours we've covered this guy in our two bios, literally the guy's the guy just gets the storytelling of wrestling. He gets the the drama, he gets the soap opera, the reinvention, the character. Jericho gets that more than near enough anyone in wrestling history. And that's been seen with his reinvention over the course of a 30-year career. Like, I think that underpins Jericho, the performer, better than anything. Just how he's always had a finger on the pulse for 30 years. And commentary in that regard would be a perfect fit because he can tell the stories in a way that's logical, that makes sense, and that is good. Like, I'd rather listen to Chris Jericho for, like, a million hours straight than listen to Excalibur recite to me the moves of a match for 10 minutes, you know? 
Absolutely. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Absolutely. I will end with this, with the, the GOAT debate, because a lot of people say Jericho is in the conversation for the GOAT. Um, do, do you think he's top 10 all time? Top 15, top 20, top 5, Mount Rushmore? What, what do you think, subjectively? Rotten. And your, your, your opinion, your preference? It's like, yeah. Obviously, there's a couple ways you can look at it. If you're looking at like whose apex was highest, I mean, Jericho, I don't think he's top 10, but you look at it as a wrestling career and just as a career in general, I think Jericho is objectively top 10 all time, just as a career with reinvention, the amount of different stuff he's done. Because like you compare like a, like a Jericho to a Steve Austin, for instance, Austin was literally like a massive peak from like 97 to 2001, 2002, which is like five years. And then it ju- it's just a plateau. It's just a big kind of dip either side. Whereas Jericho was basically a, a rise to like 1998 and then just this constant, just, you know, constant level of pretty good for literally over 20 years. So in that sense, I think that's a career. Jericho is a top 10 career all time. As If I say he's a top 10 star all time, I mean, that, that one's really like you know, debatable, debatable. But I think as a career, objectively top 10 all time, arguably top five. Well, maybe in top three as far as a career. So what do you think? Yeah, I think if we're talking careers, yeah, I mean, he's had, he's had a career that rivals John Cena's career, The Undertaker's career, you know, um, Hulk Hogan's career. Shawn Michaels. Yeah, Shawn Michaels. Michaels. Yeah, exactly. In terms of longevity, Jericho's career is second to none. You know, it, it, it just, it is. Um, and it's not one of those instances where it's like with Randy Orton, it's a bunch of, you know, WWE's just feeding him accolades for the sake of it. Jericho, he's never won a Royal Rumble. He's main event in, what, one WrestleMania. Um, he's done, like, yeah. he's just, it's more organic with Chris Jericho. Yes, Everything exactly. he does, yes. whether it's mid-card, upper mid-card, main event, he makes it great. And it's always, you know, you, you know that Jericho is going to deliver. You know he's going to give it his all. And he, yeah, I would say he's one of the best of all time. I think top 10 is pretty fair in terms of overall career. You know, like you look at star power, maybe not top 10. You know, he might not be the, like one of the 10 most recognizable wrestlers on the planet. Probably, he probably is one of the top, like maybe 10, 15, I guess you could say. But yeah, he's just, he's one of the all-time greats nevertheless. Absolutely. I think the fact that we got a two-part bio out of him really attests to that. Like that's crazy. Like, yeah, I mean... Chris Jericho, what a career. I'm sure there's still more to come because this, this guy never wrestled on his laurels. He, he doesn't just sit back and go, oh, yeah, well, I, I did something really good 15 years ago. I'm going to live off that. Like, that's never, Jericho's never gone into autopilot like that. Knowing Jericho, he never will. He's just going to keep churning out, you know, talk his Jerichos, keep performing with Fozzie, you know, do, writing books. So we didn't even really mention that. And there's not really much to cover, but he's you know, written several, like, best selling books. You know, acting potentially, commentary work. He's still doing stuff with AEW, bridging that gap with AEW and WWE, doing the Broken Skull Sessions interview. Like, so much to cover in this guy's career. Hopefully, we did that in fairly good detail. So, yeah, any closing final words, Kevin? Yeah, that's it. Man. We th- This has been the podcast of Jericho, pal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah, so we'll talk. A late hate is Jericho, pal. The late hate is Jericho, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, well, what do we got next week on the horizon? Next week, oh, next week, next week, next week, we've got one which we've already got in the can. We've got If Wrestling Was a Shopping Mall. So, fresh off the success of our If WWE Was a High School, If AW Was a High School, 
if you know WWE wrestlers got real jobs. Fresh off those, we've kind of brought it all into one, and we've got a hilarious video podcast for you guys. So if, if you're a fan of our kind of more funny stuff, you're gonna love it. But yeah, that should be great. Yeah, um, that, well, that's it for us. So yeah, so look out for that. It's gonna be a ton of fun. Great podcast coming up. You know, if you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, leave a good review, all that good stuff, and we'll talk to you guys next Monday.